Sound. Tony Duchesne here. Welcome to episode 126 of Drinks with Tony and my guest, Jane Rosenberg LaForge. Her new book is called Sisterhood of the Infamous. And if you've been playing along at home for the last 125 episodes, you know that I keep all of the screw ups on the show. And they're usually screw-ups on my end. And boy, is this a major screw-up. Here's the announcement. First, I read the wrong book. (laughs) Jane kindly sent me one of her earlier books, and I also received a PDF of her latest book for the show. But in a state of sleeplessness, just doing bad Google search research on my end, I didn't say the name of her new book, Sisterhood of the Infamous, in the intro. Second, oh no, it gets better. My plumber showed up early. When do plumbers show up early? So he shows up about 10 minutes into the episode and we need to stop. He does his work. And as he's doing his work, I'm trying to sneak a nap in. I get online one of my iPhone and I see that Jane has a new release because I didn't even, I didn't bring it up yet. And it didn't make sense to me that we were talking about a book that came out in 2014. But in my dreamy, weird haze, I went along with it. So thankfully, the plumber interrupted the episode. And Jane and I got on the same page and hilarity ensues. That sounds great. (laughs) Get on the Drinks with Tony show. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Jane Rosenberg LaForge. She's the author of An Unsuitable Princess. She also has a full-length collection of poetry called With Apologies to Mick Jagger, Other Gods, and All Women. Jane, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Good. Did I fumble that biography? Uh, you left a lot out, but that's okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I've Oh my God, I've been to readings where people take the biography that's on my website, you know, which is like a page. And I'm sitting there going, (laughs) oh oh my God, I should have sent you a bio. I didn't even think about it. And like the bio is longer than my story. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) And one one time, (laughs) it's it's hilarious. But we, we read together before. Right. We're like reading together comrades. Yes, with uh, why there are words. Yeah, Los Angeles. Are there still, are there still why are there words? Are they pandemic affected or? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I think everyone's pandemic affected. I'm, I'm afraid to ask, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I know the people who run the series and stuff, but I don't want to ask. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, because I'm afraid they'll say, well, we had to shut down or, yeah. you know, I'm afraid to ask. We had to shut down and because you asked, you're never reading for us again. <laughs> something like that (laughs) so yeah you grew up in LA right in like Hollywood yes I did so what so give me everything what's it what's it because I I'm I'm, well relatively new to Los Angeles I grew up in San Francisco but you know what's what is what is the beauty of growing up in Los Angeles um I wish I could tell you succinctly that's why I wrote a book about it right um (laughs) Um, well, uh, for, I mean, it's the only thing I knew, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I, the weather was always nice. And the storms, when we, we had very bad rainstorms when I was a kid, they left a big impression on me. And, and uh, uh, as, as a teenager, I felt very um, 
you know, I could do whatever I wanted. You know, my, I had fights with my parents, but, you know, pretty much I could do whatever I wanted. And uh, then I went to college at UCLA and I loved it. And, uh, and then I had to move away because I couldn't find a job in Los Angeles. And ever since then, I've been trying in some way to get back. Really? So I think that is, that is, the, that is my L.A. story. Yeah. So uh, where did you find work? Was it in New York? No, I found work in Camarillo in Ventura County. Okay. And then, and then I found work in Sacramento. And then I found work in Baltimore. Huh. Um, and then I went, I, I lived in Los Angeles from about 1990 to 1995. And then I went back East again to go back to school. Um, yeah, and yeah. I've been here ever since. I've been, I've been in the East Coast since 1995. Oh, fun. Oh, gee. Because you're, yes. you're in New York right now, right? Yes, I am in New York. What, what borough are you in? I am in Manhattan. Oh, wow. in, okay. I am in Chelsea. What? Oh, you're in Chelsea. Oh, yes. cool. I was in Chelsea, um, not last November, but the November before. I was here to then too. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I liked it there. It was a lot of fun. Yes, it is. Well, not right now, but it usually is. Yeah. In, in the, I was there in the fall and it was just gorgeous and it was raining, but I loved it anyway. And I was just taking the subways all over and walking all over. And I just love the whole energy. I'm like, I got to live here half year. I'm going to try to make this happen. And then COVID happened. Yes. Well. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Oh, well. But uh, what I mean, it's so, it's so interesting to me because growing up in San Francisco, Los Angeles felt like it was, you know, thousands of miles away. And then, and then I would hear like punk rock coming out of, you know, Los Angeles and just think, oh, those people are gods. I just felt everyone was a god in Los Angeles and that you just had access to like actors all over the place. And that's how we felt about San Francisco. So we would drive up Highway 5 to San Francisco. That was a big treat. And uh, especially when I was in college and uh, uh, we thought people who lived in Northern California were the coolest. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, why, yeah. why was that? What, what was the perception well, of that? Um, well, there were no car. Well, there are cars in San Francisco, but you didn't need a car in San Francisco. Yeah. And and everything was very cute. And there were neighborhoods and uh, um, the city was very well organized. You could get around. Um, and uh, uh, there were certain events that happened in San Francisco, like, you know, the Fillmore West and the Grateful Dead and that whole scene, you know, that we sort of idolized. And and uh, we uh, I worked at the Renaissance Fair in Southern California. And so the Northern Fair was like a big treat for us, right? The Northern Fair and uh, and uh, Mill, Mill, uh, not Mill Valley, but Marin County and the Golden Gate Bridge and all the things that we didn't have, right? So uh, that's, we, we romanticized San Francisco quite a bit. Are you a hippie? <laughs> I would like to have been a hippie. I would have liked to have been, but uh, I was born too, uh, too late. To, yeah. to very square parents. They were square? Why were they square? Well, my mother was an army brat. Uh -huh. So uh, that had something to do with it. My dad was a big supporter of the Vietnam War. Huh. He was a big, uh, uh, he, was, he didn't like the Soviet Union uh -huh. and blamed them for everything. And huh. uh, So let's go kill some people in Vietnam because of that, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. yeah. And his husband, and his best friend had a wife who used to go to anti-Vietnam protests and 
that just drove my father insane. And he huh. was also, and you know, my parents were older than most of the other parents in the neighborhood. So they were missing out on all the fun, right? You know, and, uh, uh, you know, my grandfather was a colonel in the military. Huh. You know, so he was retired, but so I was born to a couple of squares and I wanted to be a hippie like all the other kids, but didn't work out. And, and where were you exactly uh, in Los Angeles when you were growing up at that, 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 um, I was in prime years. You can say Laurel Canyon. I was, well, I was in Laurel Hills. I was not in Laurel Canyon. I was a friend of mine calls it Laurel Canyon adjacent. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, and I wanted to be from Laurel Canyon, but I was from Laurel Hills and you know, the, the Canyon country store where yeah. what name Jim Morrison lived around the corner. Okay. So I wasn't allowed to go to the Canyon country store because they put LSD in the food. <laughs> Was that a, was that folklore? Was that like a... That was what my father said. <laughs> so I had a friend who lived on Little Laurel Canyon, and uh, I, I went and spent the day with her one day. And this is, I was in fourth grade, I don't remember. And um, her father was a violinist with the LA Philharmonic. I mean, you know, as establishment as you could get, right? So we went to the candy country store, we bought candy cigarettes and bubble gum and some other stuff. And my father just had a fit. He just had a fit. And I wasn't allowed to wear a peace sign. All the kids were wearing peace signs. I wasn't allowed to wear one. Really? Yes. Did you, did you sneak one though? Did you, you know, sometimes well, you can... I, I bought one from a catalog and when he found it, he was very upset. Wow. Yeah. It's very, um, what do you call it? There's a, there's a, tightness to that uh bring, being, or very rigid 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 bringing up well sort of yes and yeah. no i mean I, I i know it could have been much worse <laughs> let's put it that way yeah i love a, you know i i didn't really know what laurel canyon was until i came to la about seven years ago and then, and then one of the first places i went was that general store and i didn't even know oh. there was i didn't even know the history of it i was just like that's cute pull over hang out you know so but yeah, that must have been, I mean, you're in the juice of it right there. Somewhere, you know, you're right now, you, you pop right down and you're right in Hollywood. Yeah, I, I liked it. I liked, I didn't like living there with my parents, but once I grew up, I liked it there very much. Yeah. Did you go, did you like go see bands and stuff when you? Uh... Um, well, when I was uh, 14, um, I, I, I took a lot of ballet classes and a friend of my, one of my ballet friends lived below uh, the Sunset Strip, and we used to go to her house on Friday nights and spend the whole weekend there, and and you know wear all you know find our best clothes and dress up and put on makeup and then walk up and down the Sunset Strip. That was very exciting. My sister uh, was a musician, and uh, she saw bands and she um, she knew people and and she played at some, not on the strip, but she played at some places with her band. That's what my new novel is about. And uh, um, uh, my aunt lived on Clark oh, yeah, Street. I, <laughs> oh. We gotta stop one second. I think my okay. plumber's here and he wasn't supposed to come in yet. <laughs> okay. uh, so I'll be right back. That was the plumber, everybody. The plumber sequence. 
we what we do is we uh, we set that up beforehand. <laughs> you know, as the plumber was here, I realized that you have a new book out, and this is the book that was sent to me. Um, because the new book was sent to you in a PDF. Oh, okay. <laughs> So what's the name of your new book? I don't read on devices. What's the name of your new book? The new book is Sisterhood of the Infamous. All right. That's why you're like, that's why you're like, dude, you're missing the, you're missing, you're burying the lead there. Sisterhood of the Infamous. Very cool. And it's about rock and roll on the Sunset Strip. Oh, okay. All right. A little bit. Yeah. See. We love these. We love these glorious mistakes and other things that I, you know. It's it's so hilarious with like having a plumber interrupt a show, right? Because it's it's just such a COVID thing, and and my neighbors <laughs> just upstairs has been smoking pot and like playing loud reggae all day, and usually it would bug me, but it's COVID. I'm like sometimes you gotta smoke pot and listen to reggae. I guess they do. But. Anyway. All right, great. So wait, so that I'm so I'm so glad we had to stop to that for a little bit. Now I know. Um, so when that book comes out next week, right? That book comes out February twenty third. Okay, cool. And, and this book. Go ahead. This book. Yes. Medusa's daughter. Yes. Comes out February sixteenth. Oh wow! So you have two which books. Which is a book of poems. Okay, cool. Medusa's daughter too. Great stuff. <laughs> I'm I'm talking. It's so hilarious. I'm talking to uh, to Jane Rosenberg uh, Laforge, Rosenberg Laforge, uh, 2014. Jane Rosenberg Laforge, and, and we're in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> it's only seven years. Ah, uh, you know, it'll be. It's a. It, we're. Do they say we're like on different planes? We have parallel universes. Yes. So. Maybe I get it right on another universe. That that would be good. <laughs> the universe where everything goes right. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know if that'd be good or not. Do you, now, since so you lived it, you've lived in Manhattan since the nineties. Is that what you said? I've lived in Manhattan since two thousand. Do you have rent control, or did you buy? Uh, we own. We are owner. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Um, we rented an apartment for a while, um, and our rent was relatively cheap at the time because we were in Queens. Okay. But the kind of rent that you have to pay here, you might as well pay a mortgage. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I hung out. Home. I hung out in Astoria and Long Island City. No, wait, Astoria is in Brooklyn. I was in Long no, Island Astoria. City. I was hanging out there. So. Astoria is in Queens. That's where we lived. Oh, okay. Oh, I yeah. love Astoria. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. I would have liked to have stayed there, but um, we had a daughter coming and we wanted her to go to school in Manhattan because we were under the belief that the schools were better in Manhattan. And then we got her into a school in Manhattan and then all of her classmates were from Queens. So what can you do? Oh, at least she'll get the Queens influence. Yes. But Long Island City and Astoria are are nice. They're very nice. Yeah, I was I was really surprised. I was it, it was 
I just, like I said, I loved it there so much. I was ready to move there half time. I was just like, okay, you know, even though I still teach here, I'm going to figure out a way to be back and forth. So, and then COVID. So your, 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 your bi-coastalism is a little bit de delayed. Exactly. Now I'm, now, now I'm back to binary. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's binary one or two. I got no idea. Binary two. two. Binary. Oh, yeah, yeah, bi yeah, yeah. Binary. So I'm, I'm uni. I'm unicoastal. Okay. You're unicoastal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a, a craft beer or something. <laughs> so, so what's it like having a novel and poetry book coming out pretty much at the same time? That's a that that's a lot. Well, it it's not really a lot. It's because of COVID that they're both coming out at the same time. Um, I was expecting one to come out last year, and then the other one to come out this year, but um, in order to uh, place the book for reviews and stuff like that, we had to hold back on the novel so that it, they wound up both coming out at the same time. And it's kind of weird, but it's also kind of good because you get it all over with at one time and then you're done and then you can go on to the next thing. Yeah. So a little bit weird, but but I, I can cope. I think. How are you with that? Because like I, I'm the kind of guy that gets nauseous and just has problems when things are about to come out and release. Well, um, I had a novel come out in 2018 and uh, it came out and nobody knew about it. <laughs> and uh, that was kind of tough. Um, so this is a little bit better. Um, the publisher of the, uh, of the uh, poetry book, Animal Heart Press, I can only say good things about them. They take very good care of their authors. And uh, the uh, other novel, the, the, the novel, the sisterhood novel is um, got some reviews and is getting some notice. So it's a little bit better. And then I also can't give any readings this time, right? Because of COVID. Yeah. Which is both a blessing and a curse. So um, that, that takes off one, you know, layer of anxiety I don't have to worry about. So the readings are kind of a beautiful anxiety, though, because I, I just I love getting together, you know, even though I'll be like a nervous wreck and I right. can't talk to anyone before I do my thing. Right. <laughs> I can exactly. talk to them, but my my whole brain is just ping ponging all over the place. I can't right. retain a conversation. Right. Well, I like to travel and I like meeting people, but the actual physical part of reading in front of a crowd, not not so good. Yeah. Too nerve wracking. I, I'm I'm nerve wracked until when I'm up there I'm fine. I I don't know what it is, and that's something very weird. I wish I can move around. When I'm there, I'm fine. I'm a I'm a wreck beforehand. Um, yeah. So I'll ask my therapist about that. On <laughs> Let me know what he says or she says. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll I'll spread I'll spread the communal wealth of therapy. Wouldn't it be great if we can piggyback off of all our friends' therapies and then we can all get better faster? Maybe. I, I think it would be better if we could I I guess see what's going on in their therapy and then we would understand better. I, we'd understand them better. Right. right. Then we would have empathy. Cause Maybe. then we'd be like, oh, you're an asshole because of that. You know, yeah. and then it's just like, oh, I get that. Yeah. Or, or we could say to the therapist, hey, this person is leaving out this very salient. <laughs> that would be terrible, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be terrible? That but, would be rad. I, I, when I was, when we were doing drinks with Tony uh, on the air in San Francisco, I asked my therapist to give me a therapy session on my show. And she said, no. 
<laughs> I, and I was just totally open. And I was like, I will not hold back on anything. Let's just do it. Just come to the studio and we'll just do therapy on the on, live on the show. And she said no. And I thought it was because of the what they call the Hippocratic Oath. Oh, well, also the Hippo Act or something that right. doesn't allow you to talk about someone else. And, yeah. 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 Maybe that was the angle on it because I did look it up legally and, and I could have done it. But you're right. I could. I would have been bringing up people that I. It might have put me in a situation where I'd be right, bringing up right. uh, people, people that would need to be their names to be plunged to the <laughs> bottom of the earth and to die like the scum that they are. But you know, it's. Uh, but then they, I would have to get their opinion on it, right? They'd have to come in on the show the next week and tell me why I was wrong. Right. Then you'd have to have the intervention after the therapy. Right. And the intervention would be tailored at me for being such an idiot for bringing a therapist on my show. <laughs> I don't know. They, things we do for fun. <laughs> what, so, I mean, New York, you guys, you, you've had outdoor dining for a while. And I love seeing all the tents and the domes. The domes right. crack me up. Right. Well, my husband calls them COVID cabanas. <laughs> Some of them are like are like cabanas. They're not very open at all, um, and we still have them. Um, um, but uh, it's kind of cold to sit in those things. So, yeah. Well, you've been yeah. getting snow too recently. Oh yep, yep. We we had snow today. We had light snow today. Yeah. Yeah. So there's snow on the ground, and they have heating lamps in those things, and they have uh, kind of like vinyl doors. Vi uh -huh. And, and you might as well be in a, in, a, in a room, you know? It's almost like to keep the germs in there from the last people. <laughs> That's one way of looking at it. <laughs> well, there's a very popular uh, restaurant where I live. It's called Cafeteria. And we're also on a curfew. Um, cafeteria was a 24-hour restaurant, but now I think it has to close at 10 or 11. And, uh, and it was a big night spot. And uh, they have... They have one cabana that it seems like they're not using at all. They have always had patio space on the sidewalk. Um, that's enclosed now. And there are very few people there. At least when I go out, it looks like there are very few people there. It's been really tough for restaurant owners here. Uh, it's brutal. Do you, yeah. do you have hope? I mean, do you have hope that New York's going to start to come back soon? Um, well, it, that depends on how the vaccinations work out. Yeah. The vaccinations have been like everywhere else kind of slow going. So yeah. it depends on it depends on whether they can get enough people vaccinated to start eating out again by springtime when the weather warms up. I think and then I'd love to see those streets crowded again and the subways packed to where it's uncomfortably close to people I don't want to be close to. Right. Although the subways um, the subways have been crowded. I haven't been on a subway for a couple of months, but the last time I was on a subway, it was pretty crowded. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, that was kind of weird. Yeah. But the, and the subways are very clean now. They clean them head to toe. Oh, okay. They don't run 24 hours anymore. So, uh, but I've been home for like the last, I haven't been anywhere for like the last two months. Yeah. Yeah, same here. I've been getting my groceries delivered and I, and I feel so bougie. I'm just like, oh yeah, delivery, sir. But um, but it's just like it's crazy out there right now. It's we, we yeah. got to do what we got to do. Yeah. So, 
But um, I mean, I can't wait to travel again. Like, well, the first place I'm going to go is New York. Like the minute okay. they just go, everything's fine. I'm like, uh, I, I won't even, I'll be, I'll be in the car. I'll be in the car booking my ticket as I'm getting to the airport. <laughs> well, you got to come see me because yeah. uh, I may be a little bit slow getting out of the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's funny is it's going to be straight. Like if everything went back to normal this second, it would still be weird. Oh, yeah. It's still going to be weird because you have to wear a mask after you get vaccinated. You have to wear a mask for a certain amount of time. I don't know what it is. And, and you know, if there's going to be a surge of airplane reservations, that's going to be weird. And if there's going to be a surge of people going to restaurants, that's going to be weird. And it's, yeah. it's going to be strange for a while. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, my daughter is in college and, um, I just want her to have a normal senior year. Oh yeah. You know, her, her, her sophomore year was interrupted by this and now she's in her junior year and it's very strange. And I would just like her to have a normal senior year. But You're just I, like, I just want you to go to a bar, get wasted, maybe get <laughs> roofied, you know, <laughs> then have them write a memoir. <laughs> maybe not. Um, but, uh, I would, you know, she has her little bubble and those are the only people she sees. And uh, um, she has a job where the boss is more strict than the school. So she likes to hang out at her job. She feels safer at her job than she does at school. And uh, um, she's, uh, she's in, she can get a vaccine now because she's a restaurant worker, but she's having a hard time finding one near her. So, mm. you know, it's, it's one thing after another. You know? Oh, I know. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just, and I've, I think I've, um, I think I've come to a point where I try to let things just, I, I go with the flow a little easier than I did before COVID. I, I, I was like, you know, I feel like I was a little more uptight about things. And now I'm like, oh, I just have, to, I can't be uptight about this because, you know, I, we need to move on. But you're uptight about other things. Oh, right? of course social distancing and masks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, totally, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. You can yeah, to other things if you want. I don't, you know. Yeah, I mean, no, I didn't even want to, I didn't even, like, the, the plumber interruption, I didn't even want to have a plumber here, but the, but my, the problems have been so bad that with my, a leak that's just turned into a full-on faucet won't stop going. Oh. I'm like, all right, I guess we don't wait till the end of COVID. <laughs> Right. A leak I can deal with, a faucet going full on. Right. So, yeah. Then, um, yeah. And then he left, and I was just like washing my hands. And you know, I, he was here. I had the mask on the whole time. He had his on the whole time. And it's just, um, it's just so weird not to see people's faces, even in your yeah. house, you know? Or just not see them. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, there's just, it just blows my mind how much communication we do with our full face and now right. we're learning. Right. You can't tell. You can't tell what someone's thinking when they're talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> can we really tell though? And so, I guess we could see facial expressions, and yeah. we could get more. Right. They, they could still be lying a little bit. Though. There could still yes. be a little um, hiding things. Right. Right. That's what those TV shows are for. The NCIS, right? They bring in the expert. Right. <laughs> right. I guess I have to watch some more of those. 
I've never watched it. I just said. Oh, my daughter watches all those shows, all the yeah. kind of procedure shows, you know, the methodical shows. Yeah. And I just, I, I haven't watched them with her. So maybe I better study up. Yeah. You know what I, you know what I lost the boat on and like, and it's, it's kind of sad when I'm teaching, well, especially when I'm teaching novel, when I'm teaching screenplay, not so much. Harry Potter. I never read Harry Potter. I never saw any Harry Potter movies. And the younger people coming into my courses, all their mythology, I go, now in Star Wars, or, you know, <laughs> they're like, they're like, oh yeah, no, we weren't, we weren't, te- our parents might not even have been born when that came out. You know, it's like, <laughs> we go by Harry Potter laws. So, so do you have any kids? I don't. Oh, well, see, I, that's how I learned about Harry Potter was I had a daughter and she was into it and I, I read a few of the books and then um, uh, and then she started reading them herself and then I didn't read the rest of them. So, uh, but yeah, that that is their mythology. That is their their uh, their uh, reference point. Yeah. And, it's, and I should read them because it's it's important mythology for us because it's it's important to them. It was it, it was what they know as as right. You know, it's the common it's the common mythology they know right but you can also read um what is it not medea but jason and the argonauts and you can read emma and you can read uh bullfinch's mythology that's where all that stuff all that harry potter stuff comes from those those uh those sources cool i can cheat yes you can cheat but you know i mean they're entertaining books they're you know they're fun to read yeah Exactly. I, I got to get into the zeitgeist one of these days. <laughs> Before gotta, there's another one. I know exactly. I got to be hip. I um I I was uh, I was talking about Fight Club the other night, uh-huh. um, and and it's, I got to realize that's a classic movie now. <laughs> yes, isn't that weird? That is very strange. Yeah. No. Well, I took my daughter to see uh, The Artist when it came out a few years ago, mm-hmm. the black and white movie about and with no sound about the silent picture star. It won an Academy Award for Best Picture, I think. And oh. I, I took her to see that when it was out. And um, and there's all these sort of in Hollywood jokes in there. And I was explaining them to her. And at the end of the movie, she said, well, this is a movie for people who like old movies like you. <laughs> Like, oh no! Yeah, they weren't old when we were watching them at the movie theater. That's right. That's right. I remember the. I went to the first screening of. I used to. I'm a. I'm a guy that likes to go to the first screening of the day. I want my cup of coffee. I'm not a. I'm not a weekend warrior. Soda and um, popcorn. Okay. I have a cup of coffee and I go see a movie. And um, I was at the first screening of Fight Club, and there was like me and two other people there. Oh when wow! It first came out. Cause it was kind wow. of a word of mouth film. And then uh, I was married at the time. So I took uh, my wife to go see it the next weekend. They were all sold out. You couldn't even yeah. get in. Yeah. And it was just like, Whoa. Okay. It's, it was cool. Well, I, that, I mean, that's like 20 years ago, 21 years ago. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I saw it. I probably saw it in Queens. Um, now that I think about it. Um, but uh, yeah, that, it was before my daughter was born. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. like the before times, the way, way before times. I know, and it's just like, then, and then I relate that to myself and I'm like, well, what movie would that be for me? And then you're just, I'm like sitting there going, wow, Blazing Saddles, Easy <laughs> Pieces, you know? And people are like going, well, you haven't watched that, you know? And I'm like, yeah. 
<laughs> that's that's what a fight club is for them. I guess I don't know. Well, I taught a class on detective fiction, uh -huh. and a long time ago, and well, not that well, a while ago, and and we were discussing Dragnet, and uh, and they thought Dragnet was a movie with Tom Hanks and. I guess Dan Aykroyd and, and I said you know no oh, you young people today don't have any culture you know so um but that was a while ago but wow. at least they knew what Dragnet was you know in terms of, you know at least they knew it was two cops you know and this is the city Los yeah. Angeles but when I was a kid we used to watch that in reruns mm -hmm. yeah that and leave it to beaver they used they shoved leave it to beaver in our faces in uh, northern california i don't know yeah we, we, we had that too we had all the father's knows best and yeah. all all the 50 sitcoms yeah we probably because they were cheap to syndicate yes yes uh, you, you taught for a while where what, what would you what did you teach mainly um i taught at new york university for 15 years oh wow yeah i was an adjunct there though uh -huh. um um, but I taught composition and I taught a detective fiction class for a while. And uh, the detective fiction class was uh, about African-American detective fiction. And um, the program I was teaching in uh, changed the curriculum so that there was no more Africa. <laughs> there was only China, India, and the United States. At least that's how it seemed to me. And so no more African-American fiction, uh, uh, detective fiction was required. Huh. I, what, what's what's a what's a good reference for me to look up a, a an author who's um, African American detective fiction who's awesome? Um, well, Walter Mosley is probably the most. Oh famous. yeah, I love yeah. him. Um, but the course was you know kind of the history of African American detective fiction in particularly in uh, 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 noir. So um, we started with uh, um, the Conjure Man Dies, which is a, a Harlem story from the 1930s and. Um, we, we went further back than that. We read Father Brown and a bunch of other stuff. But um, the last thing we read was Colson Whitehead, uh, the first novel, The Intuitionist. So, but now there's a guy named Edward Jones who wrote some mysteries and I'm reading Blacktop Wasteland right now. Uh, I, the author's name is Cosby. I think it's S.A. Cosby. So there, it, the field has just exploded. But I guess, I guess Mosley must be the, the king of the field right now. Well, I, you know, I was introduced to him because I'm a huge fan and I was like, and then, uh, and I saw him at a conference and I was talking to a friend and she goes, oh, I'll introduce you. And I'm all, okay. And I guess, you know, I, I might've caught him on a bad day. I never, I, when I was introduced to any of, any of my heroes, I, I, if, if it's a bad day, it's a bad day. I never think twice about it, but it was just kind of funny because he just like shook my hand and looked at me like I was the last person he'd ever want to see on earth. And he pulled his hand away like quicker, like as fast as possible for me and um and my friend's like i'm sorry about that and i'm like it it doesn't matter i know people have bad days and right. i'm still i'm just still a huge fan it's you know right yeah well we read uh, devil in a blue dress and then we read white butterfly which i think is a very underrated book i i really like that white butterfly it's really good and i think he his book about writing uh what is it called this year you write your novel is one of the best writing book uh oh, how-to writing books ever I'm I'm like, not familiar with his nonfiction. I've I've I wouldn't say I've read most of his fiction, but I've read a few of the Easy Rollins novels, and I read the Leonoid, the first Leonoid, whatever the last name of Leonoid is, novel. And um, uh, I think the last thing I read by him was the Little Green novel. 
which is which is an easy Rollins novel. Novel. Cool. Yeah. No, the the the, uh, yeah, the, the book that he wrote was like seventy pages. He's just oh, like this okay. is how you write a novel, and and, it's, and no, there's no BS and there's no filler. Do this. Do this. Do this. Remember to do this. And I was just like, this is the perfect how to. We don't need this seven hundred page yammering about you know things that things I love to study. But for someone who wants to, you know, dive into it, just be like, right. you right. know, I want to, I want to learn now. It's like, you don't got to get a Bible on how to write. Right. Well, the thing about writing a novel is you just have to do it. So. Isn't it crazy? <laughs> That's how it's, it's, it still blows my mind in order to learn how to write a novel. You have to write a novel. Right. There's no getting around it. Right. Well, and it's it, put your butt in the chair and. And, and do it, yeah. Yeah, and then, I, you know, the first novel I wrote was terrible. And then, and then the second one I wrote got published, which I'm very lucky, but that doesn't always happen, you know? Right, it's, right. And I'm oh, I, very, have many, I have many unpublished things. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's so, people don't realize how hard it is to get things out there. And then once yeah. it just, it, the the work it takes to get a book out or to get a film out is just if, you know if we really knew we would go back to school and become accountants <laughs> i would if i could add <laughs> yeah i would I if i was a, else. right i would if i would be a good employee but i'm a terrible employee i have to be like self i that's about it Well, it's fun talking to you. It's I, I I'm I'm glad I kind of got the story a little more straighter. That was my <laughs> that was my problem at the beginning of the of this episode, and uh, <laughs> no problem. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, and uh, and the the people listening will hear the front end that uh, that says that I screwed it up, which will and then and then we'll go into my screw up because that's what we do. <laughs> we like to not edit here. Well, when, when does this air or does it air or what does it do? Uh, that's it. I just wanted to talk to you. <laughs> no, I just, thanks for coming on the show. And then I'll tell you after we're uh, off, off the air. So okay. thank you, Jane, Bye. so much. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Jane Rosenberg LaForge on Drinks with Tony. Check out her new book, Sisterhood of the Infamous. Next week on the show, we talk to Keith Rawson. He is... Uh, author his new of course he's an author his new book is called folk songs for the Tra for trauma surgeons hey have a great week support authors and their plumbers keep reading reading those delicious books keep tuning in to drinks with tony i will see you next wednesday